Yeah, wouldn't you like an onion cleansing smoothie? No, no. Well, actually, me, I would because I love onions. In liquid form? Is that good cleanse? Um, I don't know. I think I, I might be okay with it. I'm not sure. Well, when you get around to that, I don't think you'll have any trouble social distancing at that point. Hey, friends. This is Chat Buffet. Get ready to join the conversation between Joe and Asha as they chat about a variety of topics. Just hang on and we'll connect you soon. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hi, Asha. Hello, friends. Welcome to Chat Buffet. Hey, Joe, I have a question for you. This just happened to me over the summer, but I'm curious about your thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I know this is really crazy. Have you ever heard of buyer's remorse? Oh, of course. Yeah, I, okay. I know about it firsthand. Many yeah, people times. always talk about buyer's remorse, but, you know, to me, the flip side of that would be seller's remorse. So mm -hmm. the reason I had that experience over the summer is because I had a beloved minivan. I loved my minivan. I hated it when I first had to get it when I had kids. But over the years, I've grown to love the lifestyle of having a minivan. You and became a soccer mom. <laughs> I know a lot of people think of being a soccer mom, and I'm doing air quotes here, as a negative thing, but I actually don't think of it as a negative thing. Yeah, absolutely. It was like a whole chapter of my life. When I sold my minivan, I had seller's remorse. Ah, uh, and probably not because it was a great performance vehicle. I'm sure it was comfortable. I'm sure it was convenient in terms of everything you can cram inside of it. But probably you're nostalgically remembering shuttling the kids back and forth to to judo or karate or, or right, soccer practice right. or all that stuff. And in fact, Joe, you just nailed it. You just nailed it. That's exactly what it was. Now, I think about it as it was the van itself, but maybe it's more of what the van represented. Mm -hmm. that makes me feel remorseful about getting rid of it. Because like you said, of course, it was an older car. I raised my children in it, so it had junk all over it. I didn't pull up into a restaurant parking lot and think, oh my God, I have the nicest car in the parking lot. <laughs> right. Nor, <laughs> now that your kids are old enough to drive and they come back home, mom, can I borrow like any car but that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this sounds cheesy of me to say also like I like to play tennis and sometimes we're meeting at a country club or something right and mm -hmm. so it's just not really fashionable to pull up in this really old clunker minivan <laughs> well but you probably weren't the only one either well let me tell you years ago when I like you said being the soccer mom type of person if I pulled into a ball field everyone was in a minivan Mm -hmm. If the parking lot had 10 cars, nine of those 10 cars were minivans. Yeah, I see a lot more large SUVs, huge cars for single women riding around. And they may have a third row for seating, right? but they can't be fuel efficient by Absolutely no stretch of the not. imagination. Yeah, I had a, a good commission check. And when my daughter was probably four or five, we wound up getting a minivan. It was a Honda Odyssey when they first came oh, out. Oh, yeah, they, that was the one I just got rid of, which I loved. It might have been the same year. I don't know. <laughs> but I enjoyed that car. It was reliable. I remember piling it up with a bunch of friends and relatives going out to Pennsylvania for the two-hour, 15-minute ride, whatever it was. Uh-huh. And everybody would be in a good mood. They had plenty of leg room, plenty of headroom. Everybody had a good view of the outside. And largely speaking, everybody else in the van was drinking. 
Uh, <laughs> it is but, good for that too. <laughs> yeah, being the designated yeah. dummy, I of course I was a sober well, driver getting that, us there. That Joe was just one example of having seller's remorse, but you know, buyer's remorse everyone's familiar with. Seller's remorse, I don't know so much of. Um, mm. And how about like donating? Like, have you ever donated something and then thought, oh crap, I could have used that, or I shouldn't mm. have gotten rid of it, or something like that? I had a guitar that I had for years. I try to fight the urge of being too sentimentally attached to something that I don't use because that's one step from becoming a pack rat. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You become a hoarder. And I had this guitar that my skills were greatly improved upon, but I never played it anymore. It wasn't nearly as good as the guitar that I play now. Uh -huh. And I, I took it to a place you donate furniture and clothing to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a name, but I, I, it doesn't come a to me now. A consignment place or a, yeah, a Goodwill type of place. It, it was Goodwill, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. We were moving, and as I'm backing the car up, I'm giving it to this guy. Immediately, he says, there's any chances that left-handed, and, and as, he's, as he's holding it with his left hand, I said, no, it's a righty guitar. I said, oh, okay. I immediately got the impression that he was going to call a friend of his up to come by and get this guitar oh. and that and that's something that i intended for some child to learn on right, was, right. was going to go to somebody else without having a fair shot and and, and the main thing is that I, I highly doubt goodwill saw a dime of the proceeds from that i try to disconnect from those two things you know it doesn't matter to me i i, I hear what you're saying joe like you when you were thinking about donating it you're envisioning in your head someone that's going to enjoy it it's a new kid just like you how you learned a lot on it mm -hmm. it's funny that you mentioned that as an example because i actually have an example of a place and it was not a donation it wasn't like a goodwill but it was a consignment place and when you have young kids you end up with so many toys and games and you know sure. big stuff and you just want to get rid of some of it and so i've taken a bunch of stuff that i had that was in very very good condition but this particular consignment place was being very very picky and the lady behind the counter I don't know if maybe she was just swamped or had a bad day or whatever. She was not being very friendly. And I had this larger toy. It was like like a workbench type of thing for boys. Yeah. So it had hammers, saw, things like that. Kind of like a kitchen set for a girl, but it was a workbench. Mm -hmm. And I had it right next to me, and the lady behind the counter was being not very nice. There was another lady behind me with her child. As I'm trying to have this conversation with this lady, and she's giving me a hard time, this young boy comes over and starts playing with it. <laughs> and you know what i turned to the mother and i said you know what it's yours i don't nice. want money for it i don't want anything this lady was being so nasty about whatever she was saying it made me feel happier that yeah. i gave it to a kid that was actually interested he came over to start playing with the toy that i was going to donate i'm like in fact this would have made me money because it wasn't just a donation place it was a consignment place ah i don't think i've ever taken anything to a consignment shop where I was expecting something for it. And I guess to a certain extent, her call behind the counter as far as what will sell yeah, yeah. quickly, it was, quickly it was, and at a profit. Yes, it was ridiculous. You can give her really nice toys, but if it was something that was battery operated, you needed to have functional batteries in the device so she could see that it works. Oh, Which yeah. I guess kind of makes sense because if they're going to put it on the shelf, someone wants to try it, they're going to try and push the button. If it doesn't work, they're going to get upset with the store. I went to that consignment store because a friend of mine told me she did that a lot. In mm. fact, she had a boy and a girl, so she had a lot of toys that she continuously bought new stuff, got rid of old stuff. She was very good at recycling all that stuff. I should consider that. I don't know if there's one in this neighborhood, but I'm, I'm sitting in this basement right. and I'm, I'm up to my chin in stuff that I have to get rid of. 
Are you a hoarder, Joe? Kind of. <laughs> for instance, I love and have a deep reverence and respect for, which is the same word I know, for uh, musical instruments. So I've got two trumpets, I've got a clarinet, I've got a flute, I've got a, uh, a, an entire drum set. That's quite a that. lot of stuff. Most of these I don't know how to play. I have my small <laughs> tuba here. It makes it really a... impressive, Joe. I got to stop you because do you remember um, like years ago, they used to say, if you want to ask a lady out, um, they used to say, come see my etchings. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> with all your musical instruments, you can say, come see all my musical instruments. <laughs> That's right. Asha, how'd you like to come down to the basement and I'll, <laughs> I'll play a serenade on my tuba. And you're like, which end do I blow into? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that one I know how to play. <laughs> Sure, sure. I believe you. <laughs> it's not really a tuba. It's a baritone horn. So it's a little smaller. And the type of instrument I played in Carnegie Hall. As a school, we played at Carnegie Hall with yeah. a bunch of different orchestras. That's really amazing. Growing up in New York, you know, that, that's, that's quite impressive to say, hey, I was on the Carnegie Hall. I was on the stage of Carnegie Hall twice. Yeah. And it was a beautiful experience. And mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. But, you know, so there's buyer's remorse, donating remorse, seller's remorse. Hoarder. So, and not that you're a hoarder. I know you're not. But you do? there must, yeah, because I know you're a wife and she wouldn't allow that. <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side, though, there are people out there and there's actually even TV shows about people that hoard, right? What's that hoarder's show? There's a, there's a TV show about that. People well, I never saw the show, but I, I know people specifically who've had that kind of mental affliction, I guess. Yeah, I've never seen that myself, but I know somebody that knew somebody that was a hoarder. Yeah, no, it was my ex father in law's girlfriend, someone who, recovering from COVID. She's in a nursing home now. She had a fall several years ago. She's somewhat obese. Oh. The fire department had to come and get her. After they got her out, they condemned her home because it was unsafe to be in. That's unfortunate. It, she basically blew through all of her retirement money on Home Shopping Network. She would buy clothing that she could not fit into but one day when she lost the weight, it would be there. And she had... That's really interesting, Joe, because that was going to be another thing that I was going to mention is the people that overbuy and that drunk buying on QVC. QVC <laughs> has actually done studies to show that they, they target you. They know what kind of products to advertise late at night. I don't know if it's any more, but you remember when QVC was new? It had like its, its own channel, basically. So you could go to the QVC channel and... It doesn't now? I don't, I'm not sure. 24-7, you can yeah. go and find something, and they make it sound like you have to have it. And they yeah. knew the kind of things that drunk people would buy. And so they would start <laughs> advertising these things at, like, after 11 p.m. Yeah, there you are at midnight on a Saturday night, and a guy comes on and says, geez, wouldn't a pizza be great now? Here's this oven. Well, right. why not? <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, you know, the fast food companies, they used to do the same thing. They know that you come home late at night after you're drunk or something mm -hmm. else, or you might be watching TV and you want to do an order. So they'll start advertising all these fast food companies. It just and makes your mouth water. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a whole science through it. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But on to another topic. The question for you is. Yeah. It seems to me, and I don't know, this is not a scientific study at all. So this is not something I'm going to quote from a report. But it seems like so many successful actors or people in the entertainment industry have had like something really rough from their childhood. And I'm wondering, is there a connection between having like a really difficult, rough childhood to growing up and being like super successful? Hmm. 
Didn't work in my case. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it does for everyone, but, you know, Jay-Z is really, really popular, and it's well known that he grew up in the projects. He talks about all the crazy things that happen, if you listen to any of his books, stories, whatever, and the percentage of people that he knew that died before they were, like, even in their 20s. Mm. is just crazy. So it seems like there's two extremes. Either you get so caught up in it, you get sucked into it, and you go down the wrong path. And, you know, either you end up in jail or you die. Or maybe having that rough childhood teaches you something about life, about taking risks, about being resilient, about taking chances or calling people out. Maybe you're, you have a heightened sense of awareness of people's nature. It's hard. It's hard to know. It could be that there's no correlation and that you have people from deprived, hard backgrounds that are wildly successful or they fail badly. You don't really hear about those people, do you? People who were born into poverty and 50 years later, lo and behold, they're on the street drinking themselves to death. I came to this country. I had two nickels in my pocket. And today I owe millions. Oh. There does seem to be a connection in my mind. I mean, if you think about some people and their backgrounds and their history, the fact that they really did not have even an average lifestyle, whether it be by financial means or their parents were abusive or they grew up in a household where no one watched them, took care of them, whatever. And oftentimes it's uh, lately I've been into reading biographies and mm -hmm. predominantly autobiographies. I like even better. And in fact, even better than an autobiography is listening to an autobiography read by the author uh -huh. in an audio book that really personalizes things. So like 50 cents. I don't know that I know a lot of his songs or appreciate his music or anything, but his story was to me fascinating to think of someone that came up in a childhood that was fairly rough and look how successful he is. His book was really not even about him. It wasn't even an autobiography. It was a lot of like business things. He is so street smart mm. that he was able to pivot that information that he learned in the streets to his business sense. Uh, when you say in the streets, was he selling drugs or something? Yeah, he did that. Okay. Yeah. So things that he has learned, you know, like um, he's just more attuned to how people will act when they're lying or when they're about to cheat you or when they're, you know, things like that. Different skill sets that he's picked up by living a tougher life. Mm. Now he can mm. go into a boardroom. Now he said the first time he had to go into a boardroom, he was nervous. Of course, he was anxious. And then once he realized people are people, he overwhelmed the other people. He could probably nail someone that was about to try and take him for a ride. Oh, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I think of people in, in entertainment who come from humble beginnings. There's a certain poignancy on people who can talk about their childhood, their beginnings with humor. Yeah, and you know who that reminds me of is um, Robin Williams when you say that. Yeah, I don't know anything about his, his early childhood, but obviously here's probably the funniest man on the earth. And who would have thought he would have suffered from depression to the point where he took his own life? Exactly. That, that's my point. So I think that is there is a correlation. People think that there would not be a correlation. But I think when you're down and out like that, it really makes you analyze things. And when you analyze things so deeply, you're able to actually talk about it. And you don't have to talk about it as like a psychologist or anything, but maybe his gift to the world was to be able to turn it around and make it sound funny. Maybe. I remember listening to some of his early stand-up acts. I think any good humorist, any good comedian, there's got to be a good amount of intelligence there. Absolutely. So, 
But it didn't surprise me that in his case, it was there because he was always quick-witted. He was always on. He also had beautiful insight in his humor when he was playing these characters, these homeless people or these drunks or these teachers or, or whatever. There was a beautiful philosophy that was optimistic and indomitable. Yeah, I guess. sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. In line with what you're saying, I'm going to kind of bridge this topic is to say that there was a famous musician I heard, read about or heard about, and mm-hmm. they she said that she writes her best songs after a breakup. <laughs> mm. You know, so that's maybe when your um, emotions are heightened and you're yeah. thinking about things, you're thinking about life or you're thinking about, you know, how could this guy have done this to me or how could the girl have done something to me? So maybe it's that angst or maybe it's that raw emotion yeah. that yeah. that makes you relatable for sure it makes it real i think when you're depressed or you're hurting you're mourning you're grieving the writing process cuts through all the bs you're not trying to filter out what does it sound like what am I, what's my grammatical tense what what voice should i use you're just putting it out there i think it's something that when it's truthful and it's simple and it's raw like that people can relate to it and, you know, the translation of that to me is I think as we get older, we get more protective. We build more barriers around us, ourselves. I think the more human you are, the more you yourself you are. I think people connect to that. I think so. Yeah, because uh. they feel it, too. So usually when you say something and it doesn't have to be revolutionary, sometimes it's the most obvious things. And that's what people say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, too. That's right. Those universal themes that bring people together. Right. But I do think that when you have that rough childhood, it makes you just heighten your senses in terms of people, place, your belonging, your your own uh, sense of who you are. You know, so maybe that's what makes you be a better actor or more, uh, more authentic in your singing or your poetry or your artistry, whatever that might be. So, yeah, as you know, I, I had kind of a rough start. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything about it that helped me in business or, or later on in life. It, it, it was all something I had to overcome as opposed to, I, I can't look back on that as an asset in any sense of the word. You well, I mean? we'll have to talk about this online, offline, but <laughs> you probably <laughs> do have a lot of assets that you don't realize. And the, unfortunately, the examples that we were talking about were famous people so mm-hmm. what they learned from it led them to make financial gain. There's probably mm-hmm. millions of other people that made other gains, but not financial gains. And then you wouldn't hear about them. So maybe the gain that you received from that is something that, you know, didn't translate to financial gain, but maybe personality wise. I think you're a very open person. I think so. Yeah. I remember once being at work and people were talking about how there's this work side to them and this totally different personal side to them. And I was confounded and I said, I'm the same guy. And they all looked at me and they said, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think they meant it as a compliment? (laughs) Maybe not. I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) Well, I have another different kind of question for you. This is regarding blending families. Nowadays, you're seeing a lot more blended families because the divorce rates are higher. People getting remarried maybe once, twice, maybe even three times. Who knows? Blending families. I've seen it where it can work really well, and I've seen it where it does not work well. And even Mm. I'm not even talking about famous people, but again, like I said, I, I read autobiographies. So there are some famous people that I can quote, but 
in my personal life, I had a friend that married a guy. He was previously married and she was previously married. Yeah. She did not have any children, though, but he did. And when they got married, she did not accept his children, not oh. because they were bad children, but I think she didn't have that level of maturity. And she always made it an issue between and I was her friend. So unfortunately, the side I was hearing was her saying, oh, my husband spends way too much time with those kids. He's he's got them oh all the time uh, that we, we end up spending hundreds of dollars every weekend whenever they come over. It, it went on and on. How utterly immature. Yeah, I got to agree with you on that. And and even though, like I said, even though she was my friend, I actually did not agree with her. After a couple of times of her saying something, I, I tried to delicately change her perspective on her husband's love of his children. I said, in the future, when you have children with him, wouldn't you want him to love them? So That you know, would be different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I tried to, yeah, you know. I was just going to say that her having a child would have changed the, her tone immediately. It's kind of a, an insight and an understanding that's just not possible unless you've gone through the process. Well, no, I've never been through the process, but I can appreciate what her husband was going through. I think she put him no. in a horrible position by not yeah, accepting yeah. his children. She couldn't have understood what it meant for him to spend time with his oh. kids unless she'd had one of her own. Oh, okay. All right. It's spoken like someone who's never had children, that, that once you have a child, they become the center of your universe. And can I Everything... tell you something? No, I want to tell you something. When I said that conversation to her, this was her second marriage. She was a lot younger than me. Mm -hmm. I was not even married. I, didn't, oh. I, I was not married and didn't have kids. Like you said, there was just an immaturity about her that felt threatened, honestly, by these children. She always felt it like it was like a, a battle. Like if, if, you, if you're loving your children, then you must not love me. At least, you know, that's yeah. how it came out. Back in what they used to call hygiene, they were talking about different, I think it was actually sexual development, where there are different stages. Uh, and there's one stage where a little girl will say, who are you going to marry when you get older? I want to marry daddy. Well, that's yeah. not possible. But, but that, that's uh, Oedipus and Electra. And, and, and there's a theory was that there was a homosexual aspect. The very first one is the narcissistic phase where everything is about me. I have my needs, I cry, and they're fulfilled. And that's what it sounds like she's stuck at. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I would say that. But then again, you know, she did have kind of a weird childhood, and she told me additionally other stories uh, between her siblings and her parents and just other situations. So I don't think she was in a right frame of mind. Frame of mind makes it seem like it was a little thing. I think her whole life was kind of messed up. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah, that is really for, too for bad. For the benefit of nice our person. listeners, do you have her name and address? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I spit that right out there. <laughs> uh. But, you know, on a, on a good note, I read the book by Alicia, Alicia Keys. It was, again, mm -hmm. another one of her autobiography type of thing. And I listened to it in the, in the audiobook form. She talks about marrying a guy that had kids, how she not only incorporated his kids into her life, Mm -hmm. But she also thought it was very important to incorporate his ex-wife. That's the other of the spectrum. That is selflessness there and maturity. But I think that's awesome. I think that's incredible that she did that because when you have children, they're your children for the rest of your life. And she respected her husband and those children. And she wanted those children to have a good life because she had her own children now with this, with this man, with her husband. Mm -hmm. So she had his children. And then her children with, with him. And she wanted all the siblings to get along well. Wow. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Kudos to her. I started dating Wanda when her youngest child was 16 years old. Haley, my daughter, kind of knew Cora, but it wasn't until we got married four years later that they began to look at each other in the eye with love and affection, say, sister. And I'm just stunned how well they get get along together, how they they plan vacations together. They call each other and they, they chat for hours. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I couldn't have been more gratified about how that developed. Absolutely. And see, it's not anything that you had to force, but it's not something that you prevented either. You you accepted Wanda with, you know, with her children and everything else that comes with it. And mm-hmm. she accepted you. And I see that a lot in you guys. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. You don't often get to experience something like that in such a open, easy, seamless way that you and Wanda were able to do it. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's a blessing in my life and one of the nicest things that's ever happened to me. I'm going to change the topic on you now. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, Now that we got all mushy with that. (laughs) So I'm curious, do you buy canned vegetables? Uh, Occasionally, yes. Do you? See, I have some friends that like, oh, no, you can never buy canned vegetables. That's horrible. That's terrible. Um, But I've actually heard reports. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong. In fact, the and these are scientific studies, that they've looked at vegetables. And it it might depend on the vegetable. Let's take like a tomato, right? You buy a fresh tomato. If it's not really fresh on the shelf, then it's not fresh on the shelf. I mean, in the produce aisle. But then when you go to the canned goods, you know those tomatoes when they were canned, they were just plucked off the tree within hours. Yeah, parboiled and put in a can. Right. And they bring yeah, the temperature up to the... Yeah, whatever they do, the clean... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to make sure that there's no bacteria and do you know, in there. chefs will actually tell you, like, that tomato paste that you get in a tube, mm-hmm. That they said that's a great thing to have. Oh, yeah. They use that in recipes all the time. Would they rather not use something that came out of a can as opposed to a tomato that's flown 6,000 miles from Chile? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So a can is okay with me. Yeah, I think and so. It, I guess it depends. You, you know, again, that's just one example of tomatoes in a can. But how about corn? Because corn you can find frozen in a can or fresh. So to begin with, I believe that there's always going to be some sort of a compromise between picking something out of a garden and eating it versus having it frozen or canned or jarred or whatever method you have of eating mm-hmm. those, those vegetables in the wintertime. But it's something that we do. It's probably not quite as nutritious for you. but No, but that's where I disagree. I think some, depending on the vegetable, it could be just as nutritious. I don't know about that. And just. in fact, even more so because, again, shelf life. Think about shelf life. A fresh produce has probably, it's been days since it's been picked by the time it gets to your grocery store and in the produce section. Mm. Whereas something that was flash frozen or something that was immediately canned, yeah. that's right there. I kind of think that any process you do to that fruit or vegetable to get it in the can or jar diminishes its nutritional value slightly and some less than others. I also believe that probably foods are more nutritious if you eat them raw. I don't like raw corn. There's always going to be some sort of compromise involved. Oh, really? I love corn out of a can and I also like it when it's frozen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't eat it raw off the stock. You're going to have to cook it that way. But whatever they do to it, I don't have to cook it. I don't have to do anything to it. I don't know if it's, it's not, I don't think it's been pre-cooked. 
my lovely wife was out of town this weekend and she called me up on Sunday and she says, did you have dinner? I said, oh, yeah, I did. What'd you have? Well, I had a can of hash that was on the, on the, out of curiosity, did you have any vegetables or did you not bother because I wasn't there? Uh, well, I, I take umbrage at that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm straining my thought now, but I guess, right, right, right. I guess like, I didn't have any, question, Joe. <laughs> I didn't have any because you weren't here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't really eat a lot of fruits and vegetables on my own. That, that's the bottom line. And if it wasn't for her, I, I wouldn't be nearly as healthy as I am. Yeah, so it is important to eat definitely the fresh if you can. And again, if I'm making a salad, then of course you want the fresh stuff. If I'm making a stew, can you throw in a, a, a can of tomatoes? Mm -hmm. I think so. Sure. I think so. If you're making pasta, you know, yeah, throw in a can of tomatoes. How about like the pumpkin puree? Yeah. I mean, if you had to actually get a pumpkin, carve it out, take out the puree inside, cook it down, get it softened, doing all that stuff. And would you ever make a pumpkin pie? I don't... <laughs> We've been watching a lot of cooking shows lately. There is a genre of cooking where these guys make everything from scratch. One of them was tomato sauce. And in this tomato sauce, they had beef, they had pork, they had pork, fatty pork. And they went to the butcher and they got whole slabs of this beef and they insisted on grinding it themselves. The process took three hours of simmering and it was wonderful. And then they had tomato sauce. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. And they were raving. But about who it. does? Who well, does have that? You need to have of somebody in your raving. house that does nothing but cooking at that point. <laughs> That's absolutely true. And who can who has that? Yeah. That would be a full time job for somebody, you know? <laughs> I think the US government says you need eleven servings of fruits and vegetables every day. Eleven? Yeah. Is that up to the eleven? That's what they're going with. Years ago, um, I was talking to my mom and I was telling her I want to buy one of those oh, it was a Vitamix blender. Oh yeah. You know, the Vitamix, it has mm -hmm. like a little plunger thing in the middle oh, yeah. so you can get the vegetables all in there. Mm -hmm. And with that, they say how healthy it is and you can put carrots. You don't have to even peel them. All you have to do is just scrub the outside, put them right in there, put the apple core, everything and blah, blah, blah. And it's great and it's healthy. And so I was telling her about this and um, I told her how much it costs. I was like, why would you buy that thing? Just eat the darn vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> She was very adamant about not trying to like process everything, blend it all together. And, and meanwhile, so this is years later, right? Guess what? She makes smoothies all the time. Oh, is that right? <laughs> when... Yeah, actually, she says it fills her up really well in the morning. So she does like to have that. Um, yeah. This, is, this has made me uh, start to think about my sister-in-law, Wendy, moved away. She was moving to a smaller house, got rid of a bunch of stuff which is why I have a, a drum set over here. Uh, but she also got rid of a juicer, which is here in my basement. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, uh, grinding something into a liquid, I don't think that does anything to its nutritional value. And, and if, if you're having a glass of carrot juice, you know, it's better than having a glass of water, I say. But it's been here for about six or seven months now. I'd I'm going to have to make an effort to pull that out and try throwing something in it. Yeah, maybe that'll appease Wanda in your sense of not eating your greens and your vegetables and your fruits. Oh. So you can throw it all in there and you can make a batch for yourself and for her in the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> she would love you for that. There's a restaurant around here that has kind of a smoothie bar. They're trying to sell you on cucumber kale stuff. And like, no, man, uh -huh. give me something sweet, you know? <laughs> mango, <laughs> in there. mango, throw strawberry. Banana, throw some dates in there. Something. I have friends that do that stuff and they tell me about it. And I think, oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. 
But then they start really telling me about it. I'm like, oh, God, stop telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about how healthy you are. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you like an onion cleansing smoothie? I, no, no. <laughs> well, actually, me, I would because I love onions. <laughs> In liquid form? Is that good cleanse? Um, I don't know. I think I, I might be okay with it. I'm not sure. <laughs> See, that's the thing about a smoothie. It's your preference. You throw in what you want to throw in. <laughs> well, when you get around to that, I don't think you'll have any trouble social distancing at that point. <laughs> maybe I should do that before my hikes. So I won't get many bug bites. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> throw a little garlic get in the there, bugs too. bugs away. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on to the next topic, then. When is the last time that you have been home alone now you oh wait a second i'm asking you this question you just told me that i just told you that, that you were <laughs> right but how i mean it doesn't happen often right no no and it was <laughs> it was god i hate to say this i hope my wife isn't listening don't tell her this is coming on but it, it was really nice to, to just to have the house to myself and it's been so i mean i almost to the point enjoy going to the supermarket just to get away from the same space it was a selfish kind of luxury i had a beer and i watched a football game are you kidding me i don't get to do that when she's around let's go on a hike let's go, let's walk the dog let's you know. i used to watch a lot of baseball i don't think that there's anything wrong with admitting that and saying that though i think there's both sides of it it doesn't reflect anything about the relationship but i think maybe some people have that need to want to be alone once in a while, and, mm. and some people more than others. I have a friend that hates, 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 hates to be alone. Oh. Could never even imagine spending like a night home alone at all. Are they married? Yeah, she's married. If her husband needs to go out on a business trip or something, mm. she usually plans a trip of her own or hangs out with friends or does something like that because she doesn't want to be home alone. Wow. That's interesting, and it probably speaks to some sort of need there. But... Maybe. Maybe it's something about childhood. Maybe it's something about the way she grew up, something like that, and I don't doubt that. My mom is kind of like that. She grew up in a very large family and always had people around, and but not she... only her own immediate family, but extended family. So she, she also very much dislikes being home alone. But she chooses to live alone. Well, now after all these years, life has changed. She's gotten older, and my dad passed away. So, yeah, she is home alone now but if you talk to her whether it was in her 30s 40s 50s mm -hmm. 60s mm -hmm. she would have said heck no wow i do not want to be home alone i do not like it i cannot do it so i'm actually very proud of her that she's come to adapt to a lifestyle that she always thought she could never do oh good for her you know yeah yeah definitely i remember wanda some time ago she was off on vacation with cora they, they do this November vacation. I think she might have gone to Iceland. So she went. I was home, and I was having a great time. I picked her up at the airport. We came home, and at the same time, we looked at each other and said, <laughs> did you miss me? <laughs> at the same time, we both said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Really? That was okay? That was okay. Uh, I'm okay with that, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right to be happy, to be satisfied and entertained by yourself or w w without your spouse. But I imagine there are a lot of people who are working at home during the quarantine, during, during mm -hmm. this pandemic, who are just, their last nerve is rubbed raw. Like every little thing their spouse is doing is probably getting on their nerves. And it's really important to spend some time by yourself 
or in another in another environment, which is in the beginning of COVID, that was talked about quite a lot. Mm. So I think you had both extremes. You had the people who were forced to be home with their families all the time and didn't have a wait time, didn't have alone time, that complained. And then you had the single people that because of COVID couldn't go to work, couldn't hang out with their friends and were home alone and always home alone and, you know, had stress related to being home alone. Mm -hmm. So I think it goes in both directions. I think too much of one or the other is not good. I have a friend that has a lot of kids. She said whenever she gets the house to herself, she just wants quiet. (laughs) She said, I don't have a TV on. I don't have a radio on. I don't have any noise. When everyone's out of the house, I just love being in the house completely quiet. Right. I'm the opposite. If I'm home alone, I have a radio on. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to the news. I listen to music. I like background music or background noise. Hmm. Nothing to do with me not wanting to be home alone. I just, I like that. Yeah. So there are times this last weekend when I was cleaning house after in the last two hours before I was picking one up at the airport <laughs> and the house is just, you know, it looks like a snow globe. Somebody had picked it up, held it upside down and shaken it and then put it back down. You know? <laughs> While I'm cleaning the house, I had uh, like rock music on kind of a, at, at a loud volume. And there are other times where uh, like if I'm in the car, often the, the radio is automatically on and I'm just in the mood to listen to my own thoughts and I shut it off and I can drive for hours watching the road and just thinking about all kinds of different things. If I, I find it find... funny that you say, yeah, me too, me too, because, you know, we have a friend, Wanda and I have a friend that lives down in Tennessee mm-hmm. and I think I can mention her name, Peggy, and I've driven down to visit with her and that's a good eight hour drive. I will, before I go out on the trip, I will download podcasts, I will download books, I would download all the stuff and I had um, XM radio in my car and I had, uh, you know, every kind of thing to keep me busy. But after all of that, there would be like an hour I'll listen to this and then for 30 minutes I'll listen to that. And then for a while, I would just turn everything off and just look out the window, enjoying the silence. Yeah, that's important to take a moment and just be in the moment, as is a common phrase these days. You know, if I'm feeling sleepy and I'll I'll call a friend and my friend will say, oh, yeah, if you're driving, I don't want to disturb you. I'm like, no, 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 you're not disturbing. You're you're keeping me awake. You're keeping me safer. That's right. Wanda (laughs) will do that. She'll call me up if she's uh, driving somewhere. And a long drive for her is anything over 15 minutes. So I'll get the phone call. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you get your conversation in there. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Like, like uh, I know if she's on the road and she calls me and I'll say something like, uh, hi, what's going on? Can I help you with something? No, just, uh, oh, okay. I got it. Hey, let's, <laughs> and we'll just start chatting yeah, about yeah. our day and, uh, right, yeah. right, right. You're looking for. In fact, Wanda is on my list of people that I always call when I'm on the road. Yeah. You know, oftentimes it's between uh, my home and uh, coming to New Jersey. So, yeah. And I have my standards. Something about going back to New Jersey reminds me of all my friends from New Jersey. So that's who I tend to call. Is she number one? <laughs> She's up there, but I know I might be seeing her. So I might call some of my other friends that I'm not going to oh, see. Oh, gotcha. But she is my number one because I know she listens to the podcast. And how can I say she's not? Oh, sure. Of course, she's sure. my number one. <laughs> but if you're in the car for an hour looking to call someone, would your mother be the first person you might ring up? Again, if I'm going that direction, I'm going to see her. Right. So no. Right. I, I call her to let her know I'm on my way. But no, I'm not going to call her because I know I'm going to see her in a right, while. Right, right, right. So, Joe, 
Another serving of chat buffet is over for now. It was great chatting with you, Joe. And you, Asha. Looking forward to our next chat. Chat Buffet is available on most podcast platforms. Feel free to share the link with your friends and family. Thanks for decompressing with us today. Meet you at the next Chat Buffet, a place where friendly conversation is served up on a regular basis.